This is the Scott Seidenberg Show on 98.7 ESPN. To continue the conversation about the New York Rangers and the Stanley Cup playoffs, we welcome in Dan Rosen from NHL.com. And Dan, listen, my heart's still beating from last night's Rangers Game 7 win, (laughs) but uh, all the Game 7s that we had here in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, have this been the most exciting playoffs you can remember in recent history? I know it's only been one round. Well, you know what? I do think it was one of the most exciting first rounds that I can remember. No question about it. I mean, there were six. Look, I mean, you had five game sevens, two game sixes and a sweep. You had the most offense we've seen in a first round in 27 years since 94, 95. Uh, You had a bunch of overtime games. You had all kinds of comeback wins. I think there were 19 of the 51 games were comeback wins. Uh, So that's about 37, 38 percent. It's really remarkable. And to be honest with you, Scott, it kind of goes by what we saw in the regular season, too. Uh, and I wrote about this today. You know, in the regular season, we saw 6.3 goals per game. That was the most in 25 years. This was 6.4. In the regular season, 42% of the games were comeback wins. This was about 38%. So uh, really remarkable that it's continued along this trend in the playoffs when you think, when you do expect things to, you know, settle down offensively and whatnot. But the first round is wild. I mean, there's no question about it. And it didn't get much more wild than the Rangers-Penguins uh, for the entire series. And I was on that one. So that was an exciting series. But this first round was incredible. I love how you compared the numbers to the regular season because a lot of people have been asking why is scoring so high here in the postseason. But as you write, it's just been indicative of what this season has been. But that being said, have you noticed more penalties being called because it seems like there has been some ticky tack calls here in the postseason. You know what? I didn't run the numbers on penalties in the first round this year compared to last year or the couple of years before that. Um, I think you've seen, look, I, I mean, yes, penalties are being called. What I like about it is the standard got set early in the first round. Like if it was a penalty, it was being called. Uh, and there weren't swallowing whistles, and the referees were letting everybody know we're calling it. I'd like, I want to make sure that, like, I mean, I can't make sure, but I want that to continue. Um, look, a penalty is a penalty, and a power play is a great thing in the National Hockey League. It, 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 you know, you want more scoring. We want goals. We want excitement, right? We don't want to stymie offense, and if you commit a penalty and you're slashing the hands or hooking a guy or holding him or whatever it may be, and it's preventing him from a scoring chance. That should be a penalty. And we saw that, be, you know, teams were getting called for it. And the refs, I think, were doing the, good, uh, the right thing and a good job. Like, got to call what's in front of you. Do, the standard should always be the same. And I think it was in the first round. As far as the Rangers are concerned, Dan, I think Rangers fans have a lot to be excited about, not just because they got this series win coming back from down 3-1, but because I feel like this team has the formula to be a champion. Now, I don't know if they're going to get it done this season, but if you ask people what does it take to win a Stanley Cup, they have leadership, they have youth, they have a great goaltender, they have a coach that's been there before. I mean, what more could you want from this Rangers team? Yeah, Uh, They do. They have all those things. What more do you want from this Rangers team is just a more consistent defensive game. That that was the thing. And and if you, you know, through the series, through the season, really, I mean, until about the last six weeks of the regular season, the Rangers were a team that were not that great in their D zone. They would give up rush chances, a little bit passive in the D zone, chances in front of the net. Igor Shesterkin had to be terrific at times. They got better. 
uh, after the trade deadline. They were much better in the neutral zone, neutral zone through the middle of the ice. But that kind of went away against the Penguins. And even in game seven, I mean, it, it wasn't always there. And Igor had to make 42 saves. He faced 45 shots. Uh, he was really, really good. And he still gave up three goals. And that's kind of telling to me about where their D-zone coverage is right now. It needs to improve, particularly in the second round here against Carolina. Carolina is a team, they just play with a ton of speed and they go north. They don't stop. They are relentless and they attack you and they force you to play in your D zone with the way they their style of play. And the Rangers are going to get stuck there against Carolina. There's no way around it. They are going to get stuck there, but they have to be better in front of the net. They have to be harder to play against in the D zone. And when the opportunity presents itself to get the puck out of the zone, got to get it out. No pretty plays, no fancy plays, got to get it out. So I agree with you why they have the formula and they've got the pieces in place. You know, I don't know if it's a year or two too early or whatever it might be. They have – the picture is there for you, but there are issues that they have to iron out. I hate that saying, a year away from being a year away. Uh, He's Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Joining me, Scott Seidenberg, here with you, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Let's talk about the Hurricanes. Uh, Will we see Frederick Anderson in this series, or is it all going to be Auntie Ranta? Uh, Unlikely at this point. I mean, Freddie Anderson has has not gotten on the ice yet. And Rod Brendamore, their coach, addressed that today, that it's Anthony's net, basically, and, and he's earned it and deserved it. He was good against the Bruins in the first round. Uh, but until he, he, And he said, until Freddie steps on the ice, it's not even a conversation. And as of this point, there's no indication he's stepping on the ice anytime re- relatively soon. So for, su- for sure, the start of the series is all Ranta. I would be surprised at this point if we saw Freddie Anderson in this round. Now, if Carolina were to move on, I think you have an opportunity here. But if Freddie Anderson has not touched the ice yet, uh, it's going to take a while. Remember, Tristan Jarry hadn't touched the ice yet before the Rangers series against the Penguins. And he finally got out there for game seven. Uh, and even he, I don't even know if he was 100%. He was good, but I don't even know if he was 100%. Mm-hmm. As far as for the Rangers, Gerard Gallant said that he's not ruling out Barkley Goodrow for the entire series, although he will miss the first couple of games. What do the Rangers miss without him on the ice? Well, he- He's the only guy on the team that's won the Stanley Cup, and he's won it twice uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He brings an L. He's a checker. Uh, basically, what he does is he will help you shut down top players. Uh, very good in defensive zone play. Very good on faceoffs. Very good through the neutral zone. Uh, a, a reliable four checker. Uh, so many things. The little things that teams need to have in order to win championships. That's what Barclay Gaudreau brings you, and that's why he has been on pretty much only winners. When he was in San Jose, they were a very good team. He goes to Tampa. They win the Stanley Cup twice. A big part of that was their third line. Who was on their third line? Barclay Gaudreau was on their third line, and that's why he got a six-year deal for the Rangers. He's a big loss. It's a significant loss for the Rangers to not have him because he's that type of you know intangible player that you need to win championships. What did you make of the hire for the Islanders? And if it was anybody but Lou making this decision, would they catch heat for it? Um, pro- probably. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, listen, Lou Lamarillo came out and said that Barry Trotz, who was a great coach for the Islanders, that the team needed a new voice. I don't know how new this is. Yeah. Lane Lambert w- was there with them. He was the associate coach with Barry Trotz. He's you know, been molded in his career by Barry Trotz from Nashville to Washington and now to the Islanders. So 
I don't know how much new this is. I don't know how much different this is, but we've never seen Lane Lambert as a head coach. Lane Lambert might have his own ideas. I would imagine he does. He might have his own philosophies. I'd imagine he does, right? And that 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 could be different from Barry Trotz's philosophies, molded by them, but different by, from them. And maybe that's what the Islanders need, just not a major change, just a tweak. And that's probably the thinking and the philosophy here. And, and we were all caught off guard about the Barry Trotz firing. Um, in the end, I think you have to look at Lou Lamarillo's history, and it's really not that shocking. We were just caught off guard because we didn't see it coming. Um, this one, Lane Lambert was an immediate candidate right from the beginning, so it's not necessarily surprising at all. And my guess here is Lou Lamarillo was basically saying, we don't need a massive change with this hire. We just need some, just a, a few different ideas, a, a couple of tweaks like coaches would put into a game. And that, and that's really it. And then they have to address the roster in the offseason because they have to get faster and they have to get a little tougher on the back end, but certainly a lot faster on the back end. Would you expect Trotz to get a job and maybe even in Vegas? Barry could work wherever he wants if he wants to work. Yeah. I mean, I think he's any job, any coach. The, the moment Barry Trotz got fired by the Islanders, every coach around the league was like, oh, boy, I'm not that safe. <laughs> because he's that, he's that good of a coach. He really is. He's that good of a coach. Uh, what, we'll see what happens through the course of the next uh, couple of weeks here, but Vegas would certainly be a great option for him. You know, we don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of options out there for him if he wants to coach. Does he want to coach? Remember, Barry Trotz has been doing this a long time without a break. And maybe he says to himself, "Man, I'll take a break. Of course, the longer you're out, the harder it is to get back in, too. And he knows that. Absolutely. One final thing on the playoffs. Uh, the Avalanche have been eliminated in the second round, it seems like, every single year. How do they avoid an upset here against the Blues and finally get over this hump? Well, they've got to play like they did against Nashville, but it's going to be harder because, you know, they're not playing up against the number two or number three goalie. They're playing up against a championship-quality team with a terrific, with incredible depth scoring. Um, the, the Colorado Avalanche, though, simply have to play their game and they can win this series and, and they could win it in five or six games. It's not, and that's not a knock on the Blues. That's just how good the Avalanche are. The problem that Colorado has had in the past is, especially last year, they ran out, scored a bunch of goals early against Vegas, and then it got, when it got hard, they were not able to find different ways to score. They have a better team now. They have experience now. I remember I did a story on them in March when they came through and played against the Islanders. I think it was March or February. And it was along the lines of, we've learned all of the lessons we could possibly learn. We know how to play playoff hockey. Now we just got to go out and do it. Well, they did it. And now they got to shake off some rust because they haven't played in a while. Uh, but that was a big statement, I think, come out and win four in a row. This is a really good team. Needs its top players to get going uh, to, to be going early. They, but but they need to just push the pace on the Blues. If they can push the pace on the Blues, they can put the Blues on their heels, and it can be a problem for St. Louis. Dan, appreciate the time and the conversation. Great insight as always, and enjoy the rest of the playoffs. I hope to be talking to you again soon. Yeah, you got it, Scott. Thanks, man. Great stuff from Dan Rosen, NHL.com. You can catch his podcast, The Rink, on NHL.com as well. This is the Scott Seidenberg Show on 98.7 ESPN.